Cluster Conversations, a podcast by Africa Multiple. Welcome to Cluster Conversations. My name is Cassandra Mark Thiessen. I'm leader of the junior research group African Knowledges and the History Publication. And I'm here with the current research fellow at the Africa Multiple Cluster, Noemi Alfieri of the New University of Lisbon. Welcome, Noemi. Hello, glad to be here and thanks Cassandra for being my host during my fellowship at the cluster. So Noemi, one of the reasons that we're here, um, a topic that brought us together is our joint interest in journals that were published on the African continent around the 1960s and 70s. In my work, I've been looking at post-independence history journals that were produced by different historical societies and also in different academic centers across the continent. You have been looking at literary journals in your work that were, by the way, also published in the African diaspora. Could you say a few words about your interest in literature from Africa? Yes, so um, actually I was, I was initially trained in uh, modern languages and literatures at the University of Turin, which is the city uh, in which I was born. And at the time when I did my degree and my master, I was mainly studying, I would say, uh, European languages and literature. So I was focusing Spanish and Portuguese and in a course that was called Iberian and Ibero-American um, cultures and literatures, I guess. So, so this was a really traditional course. I spent one uh, year of my master in Italy, then the second in Portugal. Uh, that was where I started reading novels read, dealing with liberation movements, decolonization, and especially with the Angolan context. And it's interesting because this mainly happened outside the university. In the university, I was still uh, studying much more about classics of the Western canon and traditional Portuguese literature and so on. Uh, and I was, I became interested in third worldism, transnational solidarity, prison writing. So I started to read and research more and to uh, develop a PhD project that would deal with resistance, liberation uh, and censorship, especially in the Angolan Mozambican context. My master thesis was on Gunga's Adventures, that was a short novel by Pepetela that was used during the uh, liberation for the alphabetization of uh, freedom fighter and the general population. And I would say since then my perspective kind of shifted and changed. There are a few topics I've been thinking about, like the fact that, for example, um, in the last decades, I would say, uh, African literatures have been used by European societies mainly to think about themselves and to deal with their colonial past. And I don't, I don't see these uh, as a problem, but I would say there's a kind of instrumentalization of African literatures. And I think this is a question we should take into account when we make research or deal with our project, especially in the European context. Very interesting. I think there definitely is a lot of work that needs to be done on this topic of instrumentalization. Um, but if we could just take a step back, maybe, I mean, I think 
even when it comes to just working with print material in the African context, there have been so many tensions within the field of African studies. And I think especially now, there's even more attention paid to kind of moving away from print or perhaps being more inclusive in terms of different forms of media. So maybe you could say a few words about how you've experienced these tensions tensions of working with print, especially amidst the current decolonization debate? So, thanks for the question. Uh, maybe I should start answering by speaking a little bit on how my project began. So, how I thought I would develop my project here at the cluster and how it actually uh, it was actually developed. So. Um, I've been working on a project that is called Mapping Anticolonial Networks Through Literature, in which I see transnational connections of African thinkers and intellectuals in the reconfiguration of space and thought, as you were saying, between the 1950s and 1970s. My aim uh, at the beginning was uh, to dwell on intellectual displacement and also on the mobility of objects and ideas uh, through the networks that were uh, established within uh, Africa and, um, and its diasporas by writers and intellectuals. And I was thinking about doing that, starting from free um, literary journals that were Mensaging, printed in Lisbon, Présence Africaine, printed in Paris and Dakar, and Le Corpus that was printed in, uh, in Ibadan. So at the beginning, I actually thought I would work uh, mainly with literature and poetry especially. Um, so the, the, I would say the exchanges with the colleagues here uh, led my research to uh, shift into a different uh, methodological and theoretical reflection and I soon came to focus on the differences in the production of the three free editorial projects, on the matter of authority in those very publications and in the role of translation and critics. I would say in those projects there was a challenging of um, maybe of challenging Eurocentric visions and this what made not just through theory and through the discourse but also with the idea of joining in the in the different journals and publishing in the journals poetry, uh, then works of the visual arts, um, and then essays and articles about living conditions, for example, uh, in the suburbs of, of, of Luanda. This was happening with mensaging and, and cultura. I have tried to make an effort to pro problematize the imbalances uh, that characterize those publications in, in different ways. I think this is uh, important to me as I consider this uh, reflection in a way as a critical thinking on the present, uh, as we were talking of the, the colonization debate, and this also has to do with positionality. So I, I would say it, it is essential to reflect on, on global entanglements, that I guess it's something you do with your own research and within the um, junior research group you're, you're leading. Uh, but it is also important to not to forget the local context, the peculiarities, and, and, and it's also relevant to think how we as researchers uh, relate to those complexities, So, we, which might be our view, our approach, what do we consider 
as archives and also those limitations and this tendency of putting and separating the different artistic practice in, in boxes. So to make a distinction between what is literature, what are the visual arts, uh, which is the language used, that is something that was not so important in those publications. So it was not definitely a concern, I would say, neither nor of, of the artists, neither or of the editors in some cases. I'm glad that you show the variety that um, print can contain, varieties of genre, of languages, etc. I'm also glad that you talked about the present. Um, of course, I would say that another important, uh, let's say, period um, related to decolonization is the future and future making. So as you already know, uh, Melanie Birhi and I recently hosted a panel on future making in African media studies and you happen to be one of the panelists that spoke. And so I'd be curious to know what you took from that discussion, or maybe just more generally, what do you have to say about future making in the print works that you are currently analyzing? Yes, so this was a really exciting panel, and I think the work you've been leading with the uh, Liberian TV archives is inspiring in the sense that it shows us a lot about knowledge, culture, popular culture, and what we do consider as valuable knowledge. For what concerns future making, I would say this is for sure, as the panel demonstrated, one of the points in which our research converged. So uh, even if you uh, work and you've been working especially uh, on future making and knowledge production in post-independence journals, and I've been mainly dealing so far, especially after the PhD, with pre-independence um, journals and literature, um, I, I would say this exchange has been vital to think about some topics. Uh, for example, as we were mentioning in another occasion, for sure there is a, a, a clear line and a cut after political independences, but uh, most of the fights for the decolonization of knowledge, epistemic justice, etc., also have uh, a continuity in even in the academic journals uh, you've been working with. So on my side I've been approaching literary and artistic ways of imagining, conceiving and representing those African futures. Uh, during my PhD, for example, I tried to dive into some uh, of those possible representation of futures uh, that, uh, as I was saying, were mainly expressed through poetry, novels and short stories in the context of the so-called Portuguese-speaking uh, African um, productions, uh, even if I'm against the term production, so I would say works. Um, just to cite some writers, I would mention Alda do Espírito Santo, Agostinho Neto, Antonio Jacinto, uh, Noemi de Souza, for example. Uh, and it in, it's interesting to me uh, to underline that Prominent political figures such uh, as Amilcar Cabral also focus on the poetic production. And here at the cluster, I've also uh, focused on the role of uh, translation and networks and transpositions from one African context to the other uh, as a way of uh, imagining and building the future. So this is why, for example, like Orpheus uh, mainly 
decided to focus on translations at the beginning. From the translation themselves, we can also see which were the networks. And then there is this transposition from uh, one language to the other. Um, for example, there is a very good transposition of uh, an important anti-colonial novel, A Vida Verdadeira de Domingo Xavier, uh, that was written by Luandino Vieira. Uh, and Sara Maldoror, in her movie Sambizanga, decided to film, to make her own uh, interpretation, her own representation, and her own view of this novel. Uh, I've tried to align the use of local uh, national languages in those productions, and the fact that those liberation efforts, so those ways of imagining futures, liberated futures for, from the different African territories actually went beyond uh, the, the idea of, of, of the national. So cultural journals, the bulletins like Mensagem, and the literary pages of periodical newspapers, I would say with a focus of, on those that were printed in the continent, uh, they were committed to the construction of as we said, monolithic conception of arts and cultures. And I would say it's interesting because as I've been focusing on the, on the transits of um, mainly um, Brazilian, Angolan and Mozambican uh, writers, poets, intellectuals and, and, uh, and artists uh, in, in publications that were not, not using as a main language Portuguese, but they were using as a main language, for example, French uh, or English. Speaking about uh, the, the futures and this, this topic of, of African futures, I would say uh, in those publications it went beyond the national, so it was granted by strong uh, transnational uh, pan-Africanist uh, pan or negritudinist networks. And this transposition between languages, it's also uh, interesting. I've been working mainly with uh, uh, Angolan, Brazilian, and Mozambican writers, artists, and intellectual in translation. And um, it's I think it's interesting to me to see which were uh, which was the role I would say of of political repression because those intellectuals were published in the context of the so-called francophone or English-speaking uh, context and they were facing different constraints in a way because uh, they were living under strong political repression with political persecutions by the police of the, uh, of the regime, of the colonial regime and we can see in those works that the idea of future was focused on liberation, but that this liberation went actually beyond the idea of, of the national. So maybe for a final question, let's move away from post-independence politics to talk about a current uh, concern about the future, which I think interests both of us. That would be digitization and of course how digitization is currently transforming the study of printed publications from Africa. So actually it might be interesting to think about how your work um, concerning political struggles 
actually informs how you think about current concerns over digitization? Is that something you've given any thought? Yes, for sure. I would say that there is a strong digital recirculation of anti-colonial literature, themes, poems, etc. Uh, one of the points we're seeing in the panel you, you've organized uh, recently, uh, for example, one of the exam examples I took was uh, a transposition of um, Luandino Vieira's novel uh, A Vida Verdadeira de Domingo Xavier uh, into a movie that was uh, made uh, back in the 70s by Sara Maldorol. She turned the, the novel into uh, a great transposition that, is, that was Sambizanga. And these kind of productions are being um, featured, displayed, uh, thought and reorganized in the digital space nowadays. As we were saying, the fact that uh, online newspapers, blogs and networks are recirculating uh, those anti-colonial and pan-Africanist productions uh, can tell us a lot about our presence. Uh, for example, I would mention projects like uh, Shimurenga, Revolutionary Papers or The Funambulis, but these are just, those are just examples there. Uh, for sure there are uh, more and you could mention them. Um, all those publications I've mentioned are digital publications. Um, there are referring to uh, anti-colonial and pan-Africanist journals, newspapers, uh, films, movies, uh, poetry uh, as useful tools to think about our presence. I am sure we will go through more examples uh, because this will be the topic of the postdoc working group. Uh, we will co-convene with our uh, colleagues uh, Lamin Dumbia and Bilian Otundo. And there are other things happening in cultural productions, uh, cultural production nowadays uh, that have a connections with the digital, obviously. Um, I would say when it comes to present days, I can speak more about the context of Portugal and Italy because those are the two contexts I, I know better personally. And because one is the country I've been living here for 10 years and the other is the country in which I was born. So when we speak about literature, the arts and poetry and the presence in the online digital space uh, nowadays, um, in those spaces, the contestation of past and presence is happening on several political and social levels and is having a direct impact in artistic and literary production in general. Uh, and I would say most of the um, creators, writers, poets and artists with diasporic or migrant backgrounds do have a strong presence of, online in the digital space and this happens, in my view, for several reasons. One first reason might be because uh, it is a, an easy way of connecting with home, in case home is not the country uh, they are living here, and to have a presence, a strong presence and visibility that would be difficult to have otherwise. So it's a way of counteracting exclusions and some uh, difficulties of access to, I would say, the classic mainstream environments. Discourses on cultural and social misrepresentation, uh, as well as on the decolonization of the public space, are present in, I would say, in these countries that I would define as southern European countries. Those discussions entangle with uh, discussions on 
capitalistic oppressions, of uh, economic injustice, etc. And those countries, in, in a way, refuse to have a public discussion of, of the colonial past and on the consequences of and on coloniality, in a way, uh, because they see themselves, at least, uh, this is a discourse they lead as subaltern countries when it comes to the comparison with other European countries with, with, with a colonial past. So usually the digital space is a useful tool uh, to be able to spread those discussions, to be able to create a, a safe space. The digital space became, in a way, in those contexts, a first spot, a first uh, place in which it is possible to start discussions on um, social and economic justice, on cultural topics, and, and to start discussions on the use of the public space that would be difficult otherwise. The digital space um, is becoming, in a way, a place in which uh, literary and artistic encounters are possible, uh, a place which is complex, but at the same time in which uh, discussions about uh, cultural heritage, knowledge, uh, knowledge production in general, uh, and discourses on the use of the public space can start and then uh, can be led outside in a way. And at the same time, we of course have to be concerned about the negative interactions that can happen in that space as well. And when it comes to printed publications, of course, things like, you know, what happens to the materiality of these objects as we start to rely more and more on digitized material, etc. But um, as you already stated, this is going to be an ongoing conversation between the two of us in our postdoc working group here at the Africa Multiple Cluster. So thank you, Noemi, for your time and for sharing. Thank you, Cassandra. And thank you all for listening and until next time.